Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. You're seeing them make acquisitions and coming up with products and services in my view, to particularly gather data, because data is that next competitive battleground. But there's the opportunity, if this customer science thing is real, to change the way we think about stuff, to actually make the jobs that we do more scientific. But me, coming from a more marketing perspective, thinks the word fusion <laughs> is much more acceptable to the audience. See, this is what a fight between me and Colin sounds like. <laughs> really boring. <laughs> Nobody gets involved. Don't forget to download the one-page podcast summary, which highlights the key takeaways and the recommended actions. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary that's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary we hope it's of use so ryan back in 2002 when i started beyond philosophy and wrote my first book on customer experience the interesting thing was nobody had ever heard of customer experience and i sort of seemed to spend the next five years of my life trundling around talking to people about what customer experience means and clearly the majority of people now understand what it means and it's a massive industry in itself. The reason I mention that is because I recently start to hear murmurs of a new phrase which I like and I hope becomes the next competitive battleground. So kind of the next customer experience? The next customer experience. Well, maybe it's the next evolution. Maybe I'll describe it as that. So I, you know, I consider these things as evolution. It's the next evolution. And the phrase is customer science. Being a basic chap, I thought to myself, what's science? And I thought to myself, I only know one scientist, and that's Ryan. I shall ask him. So what is science, Ryan? That's a, a hard question to answer, and I, surprisingly, there is some difference of a of agreement around this, that people think of science in different ways. So I'll, I'll do my best to explain it, realizing that there are people out there who have some slight differences of opinion. For me, science involves essentially two aspects. One is rigorous identification and measurement of phenomena. So understanding what's out there in a rigorous and systematic way. And the second part of it is then explaining what is out there. So explaining these phenomena, and that, that involves a, a causal link, which is a, a theory, right? So measurement and theory, put those together. And that to me is science. Yeah. And I think those two things are really good because when I look at organizations today, and again, we're talking here about evolution. So, and I'm now talking about, for me, it's like the vast majority of organizations it's strange that they have incredible rigor 
and can incredibly explain a number of areas of their business, primarily around the product and the finances and the costs and everything else. But when it comes to science, it lacks. When it comes to the customers? Yeah, the rigor in understanding the two words you used was rigor and explanation. So the rigor in understanding what the customer is doing and why they're doing it. Too often you talk to a a client, I was talking to one the other day, and you say, well, what research have you done in this area? And they said, well, we did this seven years ago. And you think, seven years ago? I mean, you know, that's a lifetime ago. Uh, And there just isn't the same rigor to understanding customer behavior and going to your second word, explaining it at the level that we get into in this podcast, and I know I'm biased, but there isn't that explanation of customer behavior. And it goes back to that, you know, the example I always use of Disney, you know, that people say that when they go to a theme park, they'd like to have an option of a salad for something to eat. But Disney also know that people don't eat salads when they go to theme parks. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So Disney would be one of them that I would say that puts some science behind the behavioral side of what they do. So rigor and explanation. But most organizations don't. And the scary bit is they don't even realize that they need to at this point. So let me ask you. So I hadn't heard of this phrase customer science before you brought it to my attention. One of the reasons I'm glad that we do these podcasts is so that I can have a better sense of what's kind of going on in the world. Because as a general rule, if it doesn't happen inside of my office, I'm not aware (laughs) that it's going on. I appreciate you bringing these things to me. (laughs) I'm glad. Do you know there's been a pandemic going? Um, You're referring to the board game pandemic, right? Which I heard it's been selling well for some reason. So... To the best of your knowledge, yeah. how is this phrase currently being used by the people who are using it? You and I have some opinion about what science is and what science means. Do you think that that's the way it's being used when it's being used in business now? Or, or is it used to refer to something else? Or, or is that not even kind of coalesced yet? Is that not solidified? I don't think it's solidified. I think people have got an opinion. I mean, again, if I think about customer experience over the last 18 years of dealing with it, that morphed through different things of branded experience and customer experience management. And is customer experience actually the same as CRM? And and over those years, different opinions have changed. I think for me, and I've tried to read as much up on this as I can, and it's interesting just even Googling customer science. There's a few things out there, that, but not not a lot. But for me, it's sort of, and this is my opinion, all right? It's sort of coalescing around, or my new favorite word, fusion. Mm-hmm. It's the fusion between... I mean, that sounds scientific, fusion. It though. does, doesn't yeah. it? So, yeah, fusion. But it's the fusion between technology and behavioral science and data okay Uh, let me give you an example to try to make this live for you i was reading an article the other day that was talking about amazon and obviously jeff bezos has been in congress recently talking about all this stuff it's amazing what amazon know about you yeah you know how much i like apple well i probably like amazon just as much and so you know i have a couple of echoes in the house 
<laughs> that's just because I walk into a room and go, did you hear that echo? echo? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a couple of smart speakers. They know what time I go to bed. They know what time I wake up. They know that I've got grandchildren because my granddaughter comes around and says, play Peppa Pig on the Echo. They don't know that you have grandchildren. They they may assume that you just like Baby Shark and want to hear it played often. Yeah. Amazon doesn't judge you. No. <laughs> and tying in with that, if you think about what I buy, they know that I like fishing. They know that I've ordered stuff from their pantry so they know the food i eat i haven't got their ringo front door thing but if i did they would know how many times the doorbell rings and and whilst all of that they may not be able to turn around and say colin shaw has uh, had the doorbell ring 97 times in the last week or whatever what we know is they can consolidate and aggregate all of this data and they can understand therefore They've got a load of data on me, okay, and on anybody. What they're starting to do, and and in my view, sensibly, is they're starting to apply all the things that we talk on the podcast about to that data to understand what people buy, when they buy them, what they're likely to buy, how can they influence behaviours, the difference between what customers say they're going to buy and what they're doing. And that's enabled by... Of the cloud. It's enabled by AI. 5G is just going to make that even more available and more data being collected and so on and so forth. And if you then tie that in, I'm sorry, this is a bit of a, you can tell I'm excited, can't you? A bit of a rant on this stuff. But if, if you then start to pull that into segmentation and understanding customers and understanding psychographics and all of those things, you suddenly start going, if you fuse all that lot together, you've really got a powerful package there, haven't you? Mm -hmm. You've got all the technology with all the data. You can apply some science to it, the rigor and explaining why people are doing things to be able to use it to be able to sell more. So for me, if I was articulating what is customer science, I would be saying it's the fusion of all of those things as it's a bit I was thinking about this it's a bit like the iPhone so before the iPhone was invented did you have sat nav yeah could people get on to browse online yeah could you make phone calls yeah could you listen to music yeah but they were all separate things what the iPhone did was brought it all together and the advantage was the integration. So now I can suddenly sit here and I can look up a map and text text people and you know do all those things in one integrated part rather than having to go to four separate devices or maybe even more. You're essentially making a, a synergy argument bringing all these things together. I'm not making a synergy argument. I'm making a fusion argument because that's my favorite word <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> okay. A fusion <laughs> argument with, with synergy components to it, that bringing all these things together essentially makes them more than their separate pieces. Correct. That's a very good way of describing it. So the sum of the parts are equal more than the individual parts. I haven't said that very well, but you get the idea. I think the word you're looking for is synergy. Synergy. <laughs> 
I shall listen to my scientist who has added rigor and come up with a wonderful explanation. But me, coming from a more marketing perspective, thinks the word fusion <laughs> is much more acceptable to the audience. See, this is what a fight between me and Colin sounds like. It's really boring. <laughs> Nobody gets involved. I think that the parallel that you draw between technology advances is an interesting take on this. I'm of two minds on this new customer science label. So let me put this in, in as kind of way as I can. I think marketers are distracted by shiny objects. And I include in marketers, that's a, a big umbrella for me. I include anybody who's interfacing with the customer whose job is it, it is to improve customer experience or worry about customers or sales. Yeah, We like to to know kind of what's the latest and the newest thing. And that includes general approaches to business. And as a result, what I've found kind of in my teaching and in my consulting is there's there's a lot of repackaging of old ideas in ways that make them seem new and shiny. So I don't say that as a way of condemning that because a lot of the ideas that are being repackaged are in fact very, very important ideas. And if repackaging them allows people to get interested in, in them and excited about them again, then I'm kind of all for that. So let me give you an example. I, I teach the introductory marketing class to MBA students. And a big part of that class is talking about segmentation and targeting and positioning. These are, are basic ideas as old as the idea of marketing. To me, they are the most important ideas in business. There's a framework that came out a few years ago that people are getting excited about uh, by Clay Christensen called the, the Jobs to be Done Framework. I was hearing about this from, from people in an industry and they were so excited about it. And I went and read it and I said, this is just segmentation, targeting and positioning. Like there's, there's nothing new here. And yet they were able to get people excited about this old idea again, which I think is the most important thing. So it's possible that customer science is just repackaging of customer experience and behavioral economics and like some of this stuff that's been around for a while. But by calling it something new, we can get people excited about it again. And if that's what it is, I'm okay with it. How are you going to grow your market when everyone is competing on the same things? What are your customers' unmet needs in your market? What drives and destroys most value for you? And what are you going to do first? Since 2005, we've been helping organizations answer these questions. Our unique discovery tool, the Emotional Signature, will change the way that you look at your market. Let's have an informal conversation on how we may be able to help you. To set this up, simply go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. And we look forward to talking to you. I absolutely agree. And I agree with your sentiment as well, that if by improving the packaging, you get people to use it more, then great. Okay. But I, I think it's a little more than that at the moment. I think what's happening is you're getting sort of downward pressures on organizations. I mean, if you just think about the pandemic, okay, and how COVID is an accelerant and started to accelerate what would have taken five years for change to happen is now happened in five weeks, basically. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that there are these outward pressures that are causing one side of the change, okay? And you've then got these growths in adoptions of cloud computing, AI, 5G, the digital transformation, and all those 
all those things on the other side that's fueling that fusion. Yeah, that's fueling that integration or synergy. Does that make sense? It does. And that's the other part. I said I was of two minds of this idea, this term. And that's the other part of it to me. So I'm okay if this is just a repackaging. To your point, it may be more. And here's where I, I hope that it turns into something more. So when we started off this episode, you asked me to define science. Science is more than just facts and tools. It's a process. It's almost a, a philosophy. The point of science is explanation and, and this rigorous measurement and as you said, that a lot of that is not currently going on there. So if customer science, rather, becomes like just a, a way of getting people excited about older ideas, fine. That's no harm done. That There's maybe some good in that. But there's the opportunity, if this customer science thing is real, to change the way we think about stuff, to actually make the jobs that we do more scientific, more rigorous, more theory-driven. I know that theory can be a bad word in a lot of business settings, but that's what science is. And so if we're going to make it into a science, that doesn't mean just incorporating AI, which is just a tool. It's a great tool and allows us to do lots of stuff, but it's just a tool. And as such, it's just an incremental improvement over the other tools we had. But if it allows us to then use those insights, use that data to develop theories about the customer and to test those theories in a rigorous way and to improve our theories based on those tests, that's a science. That's just a complete change. And I think that it's a real opportunity. I wouldn't overemphasize the word or the phrase. So customer science, okay? For me, that's a way of explaining a number of things that you're pulling together that I've already articulated. It's just a label, basically, okay? But it's a label that... It's a label with potential. Yeah, well, it's a label you can start to hang your hat around and talk about. So as you were talking, it made me think of that. I love that phrase. I can't remember who said it, but there's nothing more powerful than an idea that whose time has come. Yeah. What we know about Apple and the iPhone is things like touchscreens were already there. They were already invented. They were sitting in Palo Alto in, I think, Xerox or somewhere. A lot of that technology was already there. What they did was pull it together at the right time to hit the market, to address a market that was theoretically saturated, the mobile phone market, with a different approach. For me, why I I like this phrase is you're already seeing some of the more advanced thinking companies, and I'm trying to think of a better way, best way of describing it. One of the problems that organization, a lot of organizations have is legacy systems, legacy people, legacy processes, etc. One of the advantages that new startups have is they have a blank sheet of paper, they've got a different way of thinking, etc. And if you think about the recent startups that have been quite successful, people like Amazon and Google, et cetera, et cetera, you're seeing them pour billions into this and you're seeing them make acquisitions and coming up with products and services, in my view, to particularly gather data because data is that next competitive battleground. And this goes back to what we've talked about before. The danger is 
and we've talked about this with AI as well, you can have as much data as you want. Yeah. If you look at it from a rational perspective, you're going to get rational answers. What you need are behavioral scientists to be able to look at the data and to interpret the data in a different way. And I think that's what these organizations are doing, you know, the Apples and the Googles of this world are doing, is they're recognizing that there are patterns of behavior within the data that if they look at them in a different way and a more advanced thinking way, behavioral economics, behavioral science way, then they're going to be able to uncover what the customer really wants. And this goes into just into these some of these areas of segmentation that we've talked about in the past, some of the areas of psychographics and stuff, looking at personality characteristics and lifestyle and social class and attitudes and principles and interests and, and therefore being able to infer something from that rather than, and again, we've talked about this many times, some of the segmentation, in fact, I'll go to say 50% of the companies I see when you talk about segmentation and you look at their segmentation, it's just so bad. We've got big customers, we've got small customers, we've got medium-sized customers. They're in the US, they're in Asia-Pac, they're in... And you just go, yeah, but they're a lot more than that. And going back to what you were saying about the jobs to be done and the product, understand the product and the placement, and it's pretty basic stuff. And that's what's lacking it is the, go back to your two words, the rigor and the explanation in getting underneath what and why people are doing things. And I hope that if this phrase kicks off, if this starts off as a bit of an evolution, that it provides focus to people to go, this is what you've really got to start to look at. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's real opportunity here. There are firms that have taken a scientific approach, right? Like when you when you talk about what Amazon has done, they've got all this data. They've used the data to develop theories about their customers, and then they've tested those those theories, right? Google's running tens of thousands of A-B tests every year, which are, are mini experiments, which they're seeing what works and what doesn't. And that is a scientific approach. You collect data, you develop theories, you test theories, and then you develop new theories based on what you find. I have found culturally that there can be resistance to that idea because science disempowers the experts. Science disempowers the experts. I'm paraphrasing the quote, but Richard Feynman, who's a Nobel Prize winning physicist, said something very similar to that. The idea is that an expert is this guru on the mountain that you go to and this person like gives you the answers and the answers are whatever that person says. And science says, no, science is this process that says the gurus can give you good hypotheses. They can like make your testing more efficient, but the answers are the answers that come back. And that's the reality that you deal with. And that can be very scary culturally within an organization for the the head of marketing to say, you know, I don't know, it could be this, it could be that, why don't we test it and see? And then somebody in the organization above that person says, well, why are we paying you if you don't know? That's the wrong approach. A scientific approach says we never know for sure. All we've got are hypotheses and theories, and we test them and refine them. But nobody ever knows for sure because things change and we get new information and so on. Whilst I understand what you're saying, for me, you've got to put science behind it. Well, empirically, firms 
don't have to because they haven't. I, I think they should. So I, I agree with that, but I think they haven't because they haven't needed to. And that's where I think the difference is. Is and that's where again, if you if you take the concept of customer experience, everything in the market is equal, and therefore, how do you differentiate yourself? Well, you differentiate yourself on the experience you give your customers. So it's not just about the product. For me, the issue is is whilst that still is the case for for many organisations, I also think there's another revolution, which is that if you can predict what the customer wants if you can understand this behavioral economics behavioral science part if you can relook at that data if you apply science to things one of the things that as you're more than aware that when we talk to our clients and we talk about customer emotions and we talk about what drives value and understanding the hidden stuff for me we sell a product called the emotional signature that you're more than aware that that looks at all that stuff for me, it's just a no-brainer. I mean, how could you set a, a strategy of an organization based upon a hunch? How can you invest millions of billions of dollars just based on a hunch? Now, I'm sure some people are going, yeah, well, so-and-so and so-and-so had a hunch and that didn't turn out too bad, did it? Fine, have a hunch, but try and prove that the hunch is right. Have a hunch and and have data that tells you something else. And if you want to invest in the hunch, then go with a hunch. It's up to you. You want to spend your money where you want. But for me, absolutely, a CMO should be putting as much science behind it as as possible to be able to prove that what they're doing is the right thing, rather than it's just based on my opinion. Because I'm sorry, but one day your luck's going to run out, basically. There's also the, the matter of the world is a messy place. And with a non-scientific approach to business, which almost all businesses take, it can often be hard to know even whether what you did was successful or not, right? There are these extreme cases. We've talked about the business case that Beyond Philosophy was in where your shipping company client made a few small changes and and scores went up by 300% or whatever it was. In outlier cases like that, small changes make these huge changes to the bottom line and we know that it worked. Or sometimes you you make a change and immediately sales cut in half. And so that was a huge mistake. But often sales go up by 5%. Net promoter score goes up by 10%. But also the competitors went up and down by a little bit. Or maybe the, you know, the market got more competitive or your retailers made some change. Many variables. Yeah. And so with a non-scientific approach, we can very easily take these actions and then not be sure at, at the other side of it. And therefore, then just continue to tell ourselves stories about whether it worked or didn't work. And and again, this to me, it, it's talking about customer science is an invitation to change culture within organizations to be more clear-eyed about this and to recognize that science doesn't guarantee that you will be right every time, but it improves the likelihood that we will know, and then that we can therefore make improvements. Sure, that's good. Let me wrap up by saying, and maybe this is confirmation bias, maybe I'm looking for something that isn't there, but I think the phrase, and I was just about to say synergy, the fusion 
Fusion, good. Right. Be on message, Colin. <laughs> message discipline. <laughs> the fusion that's happening with in those areas of technology, behavioral science, segmentation, data, all those types of things. I hope it's an, an idea whose time has come. I guess the next few years we'll, we'll see. I managed to get it right with customer experience, but that's 18 years later. So in 18 years' time, let's do another podcast and see whether we were right or not. <laughs> I mean, that that sounds like a good plan. You get excited about Apple. I get excited about science. Like, I'm, I, I really think that there's there's a lot here. And I think that even if it's just a fancy label for some of the important ideas we've talked about, it's still a good thing. But I, too, am hopeful that if this idea of customer science is embraced, that it will result in much more fundamental changes in the approaches that people take. And that includes cultural changes about how we make decisions and how we evaluate success and and what our goals are as decision makers, all those kinds of things. Great. Good. So I hope that's been an interesting debate for everybody. If you've got any suggestions of what we can do to either improve this podcast or any suggestions of topics you would like us to cover or just any questions, any feedback you've got for us, then please drop us a line at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And we look forward to talking to you next week with the fusion between Ryan and I. Nice. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Absolutely. Cheers, everyone. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.